Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Hey, we're gonna jump right in this morning because there's a lot of stuff that, that we've gotta cover, but have you ever noticed that over time how terminology or words evolve? You don't know what I'm talking about. Have you ever noticed that? Like things that used to mean something, now they mean something totally different. I mean, you think about the word sick. For me, sick meant stay away. Like it's, you're, that's, that's sick, man. Stay away. But now it's like good, I guess. Like, like that's really sick, man. Like that's cool. I don't, I don't, I don't really understand how all this happens, but you got the word sick. You got the word lit, when I was little, lit meant something you did to a cigarette. But now lit means like it was a high energy, it was good, like that party was lit. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how all that happens. And then there's the word dope. <laughs> Need I say more? We know how that one's changed. Then there's the word, my wife informed me of this one, it's not it's an acronym now, but the word goat. When I grew up, goat was me. That's what goat was. But now we know that it means like greatest of all time. What? It doesn't make sense. But even what we're gonna look at today, there, there's either two words or one word, however you wanna look at it, that have evolved. And it's the word follow, or some of us would say the, the word follower. If you go back 25 years ago, and I were to ask you a question, how many followers do you have? You'd have looked, right? You would have thought, okay, who are these creeping, who are these creepers that are following me? Like, how many followers do I have? And now then we ask the question, how many people, who are you following? The only time you followed somebody is when you went on vacation or you didn't have the proper instructions of where to go. But now we know that follower or follow, it is all correlated to social media. How influential you are, who are you being influenced by? And so we see how these words just continue to change, how they continue to evolve. But the reality is the word follow or follower, the one thing that we do know about it is no matter the context it's being used in, it's still all about influence. It's still all about who you're influencing or who is influencing you. And so interesting enough, what we're gonna see is that's exactly what Paul's gonna talk about today. But I did get to witness something several weeks back. We were on vacation and we had gone, we had walked to this little ice cream place and we were walking back to the, to the house that we had rented and we were on the way back and I was, I was back a long ways from, from my older kids and Deacon, who was our six-year-old daughter, I watched her as she walked behind her older sister or as Deacon says it, my big sissy. And I was watching Deacon as she walked behind Andy, our 13-year-old. And what I was blown away with is I, I watched Deacon try to mimic 
every motion that her big sister made. She wanted to take the same strides. Andy would mess with her hair. So guess what Deacon would do? She would mess with her hair. So she was doing everything that her big sister was doing. She was, she was following her. What Andy didn't realize is she had no idea this was going on. So, so that's scary in and of itself because Deacon was gonna do whatever Andy did. I believe with everything in me, if Andy would have jumped out in the middle of the road in front of a car, guess what Deacon was gonna do? She was gonna jump out in the middle of a car. If we wanna get super spiritual and if, and if Andy would have dropped to her knees and began worshiping the Lord, you know what Deacon would have done? She would have dropped to her knees and mimicked exactly what her sister was doing because she followed her. She was imitating her. She was doing everything that she was watching her sister do. And that's exactly what influence is all about. That's exactly what Paul is gonna talk about today. Now look, what I love about messages like today is we're not gonna complicate anything. This is about as simple and straightforward of a message that you will, will ever hear. And what Paul's gonna do today is he's gonna warn the new believers in Philippi of who they're following. And he's simply gonna let them know, hey, there's good examples you can follow or there's bad examples you can follow. But you gotta choose. Who are you gonna follow? Who are you gonna let influence you? And so I want you to turn to Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three, and we're gonna look at verses 17 through 21. The reason that this is so important is what Paul wants them to understand is you're gonna see the way we end today is that if we are being influenced by the bad ones, if, if the new believers are being influenced by these false teachers that we've been reading about for the last several weeks, if they're influenced in that direction, it's getting their eyes off what is coming. And that's the coming of Christ. It's getting their eyes off of being kingdom-minded. And it's causing them to look horizontally instead of vertically. But I want you to read verses 17 through 21. Paul says here, he says, Brethren, join me in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I am often told you, and now I tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into the conformity with the body of his glory, by the exertion and the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Well, Paul starts out in verse 17. It's almost like he whistles and just says, hey, follow me. Come on, let's go. Now, understand that Paul's not talking about the way some of us would think about following. He's not going to a location. But what he's talking about in following is imitating is much weightier than following someone to a location. But he's encouraged us all. He's encouraged the church at Philippi over this, this letter to, to pay attention to certain people. There's certain people that you wanna imitate. There's certain people that you wanna pattern your life after. Now, one of the most obvious ones he talks about very often is Jesus. He says, you wanna have the mind of Christ. But then he goes on to talk about Epaphroditus. He goes on to talk about Timothy. But then he also talks about himself. 
He says, hey, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. Five different times in the New Testament, that's what Paul challenges people to do. He says, hey, I want you to follow my example because the example that I'm following is Christ Jesus. Now, if you're anything like me, when I read that, it can almost come across as, as arrogant. If I were to tell all of you, hey, today, you know what? <laughs> Y'all need to follow my example. I walk with Jesus. Y'all follow me. Y'all are all gonna go, what a snot. There's one of those words, right? Snot used to, yeah. anyway. But if I were to tell you that, it would come across as arrogant. But what we have to keep in mind is, is if we look at this on the surface, it's almost as Paul, we would think he's saying, hey, you know what, follow me because I've got this whole thing figured out. Follow me because I've got this Christianity thing figured out. But if you remember going back to last week, that's not at all who Paul says he is. That's not at all the example that Paul wants us to see is, hey, follow me because I've got this figured out. Matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. As we looked last week in verse 12, he says, hey, I've not already obtained it. I'm not there yet. He's saying I'm not perfect yet. And remember, he informed us that he wouldn't be perfect until Christ comes and gets him. So he said, I haven't obtained it yet. Verse 13, he says, I haven't laid hold of it yet. And so we see that he's admitting here, hey, look, I don't have this thing figured out. So we have to ask the question, well, what is Paul wanting us to follow? If he doesn't have it figured out, what example does he want us to follow? And after we read and after we studied and we saw all that he talked about last week, it's almost as if Paul is saying, hey, you know what? As a new follower of Christ, I want you to imitate me. I want you to follow me because number one, I'm following Jesus. But the reason that I want you to follow me is, look, I don't have it figured out yet, and I'm gonna make mistakes. But the example that I want you to follow is I'm gonna follow Jesus, I'm gonna make mistakes, but the one thing that I will not do is I will not quit. I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna keep marching forward in the direction that God has called me. And so Paul is saying, he said, I want you to follow my example because I want you to see what happens when I fall. I want you to see that it's time to get up. Knock the dust off your sandals and let's keep moving forward. Let's don't have the pity parties. Let's don't hang our head in defeat. Let's get up and keep marching forward. And so Paul is saying, hey, I want you to imitate me because I don't have it figured out, but I want you to imitate me because I'm not going to quit. I think we can all relate at a whole different level when we realize the context of what Paul is saying. There's freedom in that for me. Because it's one of those things, if he's saying, hey, imitate me because I'm perfect, dude, I'm not imitating you because I know me and I'm nowhere close. I don't wanna fail every day. But the one thing that I can do is I can relate to Paul in the fact that I'm gonna, with everything in me, I'm gonna follow Jesus, but you know what? I'm gonna fall flat on my face at times. But what I've gotta do is I've gotta follow the example of Paul. And even when I fall flat on my face, I've gotta get up and keep moving. And that's what we as the church have got to keep doing because none of us have laid hold of it yet. We're not there yet. And so Paul talks about these good examples when he talked about all those men that we just mentioned. He gave some characteristics of what these good examples to follow are. You wanna follow somebody that's not selfish. You wanna follow someone that's not self-absorbed. You wanna follow someone that is 
not regard, that they will regard others more important than themselves. You wanna follow someone who is more concerned about others. And you wanna follow those who are not focused solely on them. But if you know what Paul is describing, this is the mind of Christ that he talked about in chapter one. These are the people that you wanna follow. These are the people that you want to imitate. These are the people that you want to influence you as a Christian, as a new believer. And so I'm gonna ask a lot of questions today. I'm not asking you to shout out the answers, but I want you to process some things as we ask these questions today. And one of those questions that I wanna ask is, in your life, who are you following and who are you imitating? In your, in your circle, in your circle of friends, in your circle of coworkers, who, who, are, who are you following? Who, who are you matching their example with? And to expand that question a little bit more, I wanna ask you the question, those people that you're following, those people that you're imitating, those people that you're trying to make like you, are they encouraging you to follow Christ or not? It's really that simple. The people that you are surrounded by, the people that are influencing you, I have to ask you the question, are they leading you in a direction that births a desire in you to follow Jesus Christ. And what I'm hoping to get out of this, I hope y'all start praying for me because y'all know who I work with, right? Y'all know who I'm with every day. I'm just kidding. There's not a bunch I would rather be with than the bunch that's here. But in that mindset, in your heart of hearts right now, if you can examine your little inner circle, those people that are in that inner circle that are influencing you, are they influencing you to walk closer to Jesus or not? It's really that cut and dry. It's really that simple. But then let's flip the question on its head. In your inner circle, in that sphere of influence that God has placed you in, is your life encouraging people to walk closer to Christ? Is your life creating a desire in them to imitate you because they see how closely you're walking with the Savior? Or are you leading them in a different direction? Because as we have said before from this stage, the reality is, is you're either leading people to Jesus or you're leading them away. You're either being led to Jesus or you being led away. It's one or the other. But in that sphere of influence, the people that are influencing you, the people that, that you are walking with, the people that you do life with, are they encouraging you to be closer to him or not? And are you encouraging them to be closer to him or not? But as you see, these are all these characteristics that Paul has laid out for us. And so maybe as you examine your influence, and look, I know a lot of us, we're kind of older, we're sort of set in our ways, we, we sort of have our group, and, and I know this is a lot more applicable to even teenagers because they're still in a moldable time, but what I want you to understand is we are too. Understand that. You're still influenced. You're still persuaded. You're still impressionable. 
All of those things you have to realize. And this is why Paul is saying, hey, you've gotta make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are not selfish, who are gonna make other people more important than themselves, who are not gonna be so inwardly focused that they focus on other people. And if we were to use that as a litmus test and to examine the group of people that we're around every day, would that be considered a good influence? Are they considered a good person to follow? Is that group considered a good person to imitate? And so we see that, that Paul lays out, he, he spends very little time on the good example because I think he's already spent the first three chapters on it. So now what we get to unpack is, is some bad examples. The, the examples that he's warning them against. Now remember, if you go back, He's constantly warned the new believers of these false prophets, of these, or not false prophets, these false teachers, the ones that are trying to suck them back into the Jewish law to make Christianity about checking all the boxes, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And keep in mind, they're not completely opposed to the work of Christ. They believe for salvation that it takes the work of Christ, yet plus all of my good works. They don't believe that the work of Christ was enough. They believe that therefore, because Jesus did what he did, I still have to do this. I still have to do these things in order to earn God's love. But what you have to understand is anytime we as human beings add anything to Jesus, it forfeits who he is. Because Christ took care of all of it. The life that we live is in response to what he's done for us. That's what we talked about last week. But what we see here is in verse 18, he's gonna begin to warn the Christians of these false teachers. He's gonna warn them again about what to look for. When we're figuring out who to follow, he's saying, hey, look, I've told you who you can follow, but now I'm gonna tell you who not to follow. Look at verse 18. He says, for many walk of whom I have often told you, and now I tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So we understand that Paul's warning them against the false teachers, but what's interesting to me is we see a side of Paul that we don't often see. It says that he's warning them while he's weeping. He's broken, he's crying. And as I begin to study and I begin to try to figure out why, why was Paul crying? There's scholars who believe different things and, and one of the avenues or one of the angles that they take is that he was so burdened by these new believers that he was so fearful of them being influenced and sucked back in that he was brokenhearted over the potential danger that they were facing. So I believe that that's probably one element of why he was weeping. But I think most importantly, the main reason that Paul was weeping is because he understood the people that were influencing this church didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He was brokenhearted because as you saw, what did he call them? They are enemies of the cross of Christ. And so Paul was so burdened for these influences. He was more concerned about their spiritual condition even than he was what influence they had because he personally had related to where they were. Because keep in mind, they're in this, this exhaustive state of being good enough. They're following all the rules. They're trying to make everybody happy. They're trying to check all the boxes of religion. 
And Paul was brokenhearted because we have to believe that he could relate because if you remember, that's the life that Paul used to live. Remember, he talked about how, how he would exhaust himself in defending his religion. There was nobody that had any more zeal than Paul did to live out this Jewish faith. And so he was doing everything he could to stop the work of Christ. But in his mind, he was doing everything he had to do to earn the love of God. And so he was in that downward spiral of just trying to make God love him. But what he continued to do is realize he couldn't do it. And so if you've ever been there, if you've ever thought you had the ability and the power to earn God's love through perfection, through holiness, through righteousness, you realize very quickly that you can't do it. And so can you imagine as Paul was weeping over these enemies of the cross of Christ, what I believe with everything in me is this weeping was the posture of his heart where he was saying, God, I want you to save these enemies of the cross and let's make them a partner of the cross. But God, you've got to open their eyes because they're lost. They don't know you. They're trying to earn your love. All they got to do is trust in the work of your son. And one reason that Paul, or the main reason that Paul was broken is because that's where he used to be. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, I want you to think. When is the last time you have wept over someone else's spiritual condition? When is the last time that you have wept over someone's lostness? And maybe the reason that we don't weep over people's lostness or their spiritual condition is because we forget that's where we once were. We were once lost and separated from the love of God, but praise be unto God through the power of the Holy Spirit who opened our heart and our minds to salvation. We repented, we believed, and now all of a sudden we've been reconciled to God. We have been made new in Christ, but what we often forget is what we were like when we were in that old condition. We forget that we have also been redeemed and it's so easy for us in this environment to come into the house of God with probably the large majority of people who follow Christ and forget where we once were. Forget who we were before we met Jesus. Because that's what I love about the simplicity of Paul's testimony if you read it. He simply gives us who he was before Christ. He lets us know his encounter and then what his life has looked like after. That should be all of our story if we follow Jesus. We had a life before him. We had an encounter with him. And now things look a little bit different. Not because you've laid hold of it yet, but because he's doing a work in you. Because he's shaping you. He's molding you. But Paul is, is broken over these false teachers who are leading people astray. Yes, he's weeping because he's leading people astray, but I believe with everything in me, he's weeping because of their spiritual condition. You wanna see God have revival in this place? Let's get back to weeping about people's spiritual condition. Let's get on our face and beg God to move. But a lot of times, guess who? is the conduit behind the movement of God. You are.
You are. I've shared this story so many times and it's not even in my notes, so I'm gonna go over time, but that's okay too. Back two years ago, I was doing what every born again, red-blooded man does during deer season. We go hunting, right? And I was going down Winder Highway and it was way before daylight and I remember I saw there was, had been a bad accident. There had been a motorcycle accident, a four-way stop. And I remember, many of you are gonna remember this story, but as I went around the wreck, I watched and I saw the police officers, the, the EMS team, they, they placed the sheet over this man. And I'll never forget it, an image that was burned in my mind is all I could see was his black boots. All I could see was his black boots. And just like that, it's like the Holy Spirit told me, those boots just stepped into eternity. The question is, is what side of eternity did they step into? And so for an entire week, I could not get those black boots off my mind. And it was just an impression that was burned in my mind. And so fast forward a week, I'm at the QT and I'm sure I'm going in to get an energy drink because those are real good for you. And I remember there was a young man sitting on the sidewalk and I felt impressed upon the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with him. But look, I'm just like you all. I thought, eh, I gotta be somewhere. I don't have time for this. So, you know, this probably isn't the Holy Spirit. This is like that energy drink already kicking in and I'm feeling real good. So it's not, it's not what it is. I get in my truck. I crank my truck. And I look at this man sitting on the sidewalk. And you guessed it. I look down. Guess what he's got on? Black boots. And it says the Holy Spirit said, hey, his boots are gonna step into eternity one day too. And I've placed it on your heart to share with him. So guess what I had to do? I had to cut the truck off and I had to approach the man. And I said, look, this is as awkward for me as it is you. And I had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. I gave him a gospel track. And what I watched is I watched these black boots walk through that parking lot and within a matter of 20 yards stopped three different times to read this gospel track. And all I can do now is trust that God does the saving. But what, when is the last time? Because look, I wish I could say that every time I see somebody and I feel the Holy Spirit lead me that I go and share the gospel with them. But you best believe the first thing I check now is what do they have on their feet? Y'all think I'm kidding. And there are those days, y'all are about to hear how fleshly I really am. I pray they don't have on black boots. Because I'm like, God, I just don't have time. Oh, but he don't have on black boots. That means I ain't got to share with him, right? No, that's... That's completely a warped way of thinking, but I think it's the simplest way to paint the example. But when is the last time that we have wept over people's spiritual condition? So Paul talks about that. He, he, he says that the end of these false teachers, it says that they're gonna end in destruction. Their destination is destruction because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. But then he goes on now 
And he talks about, he goes from weeping over their condition to now he's gonna describe their condition. This is where we can learn. This is where we can kind of have a litmus test as to who we need to follow, who we need to be influenced by. And that's what he's doing with these young believers. He's saying, okay, now I'm gonna unpack some things that I want you to look for. When you're figuring out who to follow, if they're lining up with these criteria, it's not a good idea to follow them because it's dangerous. And we see he unpacks those. I think it was in verse 19. He says there that the first thing to look for is their God is their appetite. And notice it is little G God. It's not big G God. Some of your Bibles say it, their God was their stomach. What that literally is translating to is that the only concern they have is to pleasure themselves. The only concern they have is to make themselves happy. And if, these, if you're around people who that's their number one concern is that they will try anything, they will do anything to make themselves feel good. Paul is saying, hey, look, be careful. Be careful. They're only concerned about themselves. And even in the case of this, remember, on the outside, these false teachers, they look like the perfect Christian in some cases. But if you remember, even their heart was wrong. In chapter 221, it says there that they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Even these religious things that they were doing it, they were doing it so people would pat them on the back, so people would think they were great because all they cared about was feeling good. All they cared about was their stomach being full, was satisfying their appetite. Then the second warning he gives he says their glory is their shame. And what that translates to is basically if, if they're celebrating the very things that break God's heart, be careful. If they're celebrating the very things that break God's heart, be careful. If we were to think about social media now, how often is this platform used to gain followers, to get likes, to get people around you so that you can influence. But what is so heartbreaking is a lot of times that the reason that they are followed, the reason that they are the liked, the reason that they have so many people they're influencing is because they are celebrating sexual sin, they're celebrating greed, they're selling, celebrating disrespect, they're celebrating laziness, they're celebrating all the things that break the heart of God. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, look, if you're around anybody that is celebrating the very things that break the heart of God, be careful. Be careful. And then the third example or the third characteristics he gives there, he says, if their mind is set on earthly things. Now we know that is a very broad, a very broad topic and we could spend hours and hours and hours unpacking that. But just to keep it simple, we understand that if, that if their mind is set on earthly things, it means they're consumed by this world. They're consumed by the things of this world. It's the mindset of what can I get out of this life? What can this life do for me? You only live once, right? How often do we hear that nowadays? It's my life. 
It's my choice, so I'm gonna live it up now. I'm gonna live it up now. I don't care what happens. I don't care who I hurt around me. I don't care if I get hurt, but I'm just gonna live once. I don't wanna have any regrets. So I'm gonna do whatever it takes to find happiness in this world. Paul is saying, hey, if that's their mindset, be careful. Be careful. If their God is their appetite, if their glory is their shame, and if they set their mind on earthly things, be careful. It's interesting, their glory is their shame. I forgot to share this, but they find glory and in influence. They find glory in people telling them how great they are. They find glory in celebrating all of these things that break God's heart. But what Paul is saying, he says, what is their glory now? We'll one day shame them before a holy and a righteous God. So at the end of the day, guess what? It doesn't matter how many people followed you on Instagram. It doesn't matter how many friends you have on Facebook. Because what you think is honoring yourself now is the very thing that will bring and separate you from the love of God who sent his son so that it didn't have to end that way. It's that simple. But he's warning us against this circle. And so I pose the question again. As we've looked at the good examples, as we've looked at the bad examples, who you do life with, are they motivating you to walk closer to Jesus or further away from Jesus? I got a good friend of mine that their family motto is this, and I think it is so applicable and teachable to all of us. He says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. That's exactly what Paul is summing up. He says, hey, if you'll show me your friends, I'm gonna show you your future. Do the people you follow, are they inspiring you to fall in love with the world? Or are they inspiring you to fall in love with the word? It's one or the other. Because what we see all through the scripture in 1 John 2 and James 4, we're warned, hey, you can't love the world and love the Father. You can't love the things of the world and love Jesus. You can't. And so he constantly is warning about this. Are we teaching people to love the world? Or are we teaching people to love Jesus? So all that being said, there's good examples. There are bad examples. Which one are you following? What example are you setting? With all that being said, there's several things I want us to consider. Very simple questions. I told y'all this is about as simple as it gets. Who is your greatest influence? Who's the greatest influence in your life? And then one more question, who do you have the greatest influence over? Moms and dads, who's influencing your children? Yes, I hope and pray you are. What example are you setting for your children? 
If they're following you, where are they gonna end up? If they're imitating you, what are they gonna live out? Are you that good example? Now look, understand, I'm not saying you're that perfect example, but are you the example that does what Paul does? You're gonna follow Jesus with everything you have. Yes, you're gonna fall flat on your face, but what your children have gotta see in you is that you're not gonna quit, that you're gonna get up, that you're gonna keep fighting, that you're gonna keep running this race. Or is that not what they see at all? Do they see a bad example in mom or dad? But here's a newsflash. Moms and dads, you do realize you're not the only influence in your child's life. I know we sometimes wish we were. Sometimes we wish we lived in this bubble where we were the only voice that they heard. But can I tell you right now, a lot of times you are the most silent voice that they're hearing. Now look, I'm liable to get a little sideways here. I'm liable to get a little emotional here. But it's okay because I am a parent. And this is what God is teaching me in this journey of now raising teenagers. That really makes me feel old and gray-headed. But moms and dads, you wanna get a glimpse. You wanna get a glimpse into who influences your child's life? Just get their cell phone. Now look, there's some of you in here that you may be under the mindset that you may say, hey, you know what? That's their cell phone, that's not my business. Number one, you pay the bill. It's your phone. And number two, can I forewarn you, if you don't make it your business, the enemy will. If you don't make it your business, there is a world out there that wants to make your child their world. And so moms and dad, it is your responsibility. If you wanna know who they're influenced by, check their text messages. Put rules in place where they can't delete this until you read it. Put rules in place of their social media time or even if you allow them to have it. Now look, I'm not, I told you I was gonna get mad. My kids don't have social media. And I don't know how long it will be until they have it. I don't even like it. But the reason that I say that is because you wanna know who influences? Look who they follow and look who follows them. Because moms and dads, I'm tired of the mindset that my child's life is not my business. It is absolutely a mandate of God that it is every bit your business. Because you are the ones that he has trusted to raise up a child in the way that they should go. And I can promise you, you don't want the world training that child up. It doesn't end well. It ends in destruction. The people that are influencing your child, are they causing your children to fall in love with the world? Are they causing your children to fall in love with the word? And I know some of you are probably going, well, it's just old school. You just old school preacher. Can I tell you the new school ain't working. There ain't no Bibles in it. 
The new school does not work because the new school, you know what this new school is producing? And that's just a word I made up. It's not on the news or anything, but I'm old school. So is the only other option is new school. Sounds good anyway. But you know what the new school is creating? It's creating a generation who is so confused. They don't know up from down. They're confused of their sexuality. They're confused of their gender. They're confused of what's good or bad. They're confused of what's right or wrong. And do you know why they are confused? Because we've taken on this mindset of I'm a hands-off parent. Well, parents, it's time that you better get your hands back on your child because they're gonna end up confused. They're gonna end up wandering because look, they won't wanna hear this, but they're babies. They don't know any better. And they're gonna look everywhere they can to find peace, to find comfort, to find identity. And can I tell you, they're so hungry to be loved, they're gonna try anything. They're gonna try anything. So moms and dads, train up your child. Because you see what the world's teaching your children, what the world is teaching my children, is that it's all about building your kingdom here. It's all about building a name for yourself. It's all about having all the accolades. It's all about being an influencer. It's all about having followers. It's all about having likes. But what Paul is warning us against is he's saying, look, he's saying, look, it's not about the here and the now. And in closing, we're gonna see that. And in closing of verse 20 and 21, we're gonna see that Paul starts it out. He says, hey, quick reminder, as a follower of Christ, your citizenship is not here. This is not home. The world is teaching your children that this is their home. And the world is teaching your children that they've gotta have people like them. They've gotta have people love them. They've gotta be the best looking. They've gotta be the best athlete. They've gotta do all of these things so that they can gain honor and glory while they're here on this earth. Why aren't we teaching our kids? That's not at all the life that Jesus lived. That's not at all the life that Epaphroditus and Timothy lived. That's not at all the life that they lived because they lived a life of humility, being able to die to themselves, stoop below this world and just love and serve people. That's not what we're teaching anymore. But what we've got to remind ourselves today as as believers is that I don't know about you, but the fact that this ain't home, that's some good news. Because this place ain't a whole lot of fun no more. It really ain't. We're in a mess. But praise God, this mess isn't ours. It's not. And that's what Paul says. He's saying here, 
For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're still stuck in this mindset of religion that we've been talking about. Can I tell you, quit trying to earn God's love because you can't do it. You're gonna find yourself miserable. You're gonna find yourself alone. You're gonna find yourself into the bottom lowest pits of darkness because you don't have it in you to earn God's love. But can I tell you, if you repent, you quit trying and you turn to Jesus who's already satisfied the wrath of God, you trust in that, that's the only place you're gonna find freedom. So maybe that's how you need to respond this morning. Or maybe the way you need to respond this morning is you need to examine your life. You need to examine your circle. Are the people around you leading you to fall in love with Jesus? Or are they leading you to fall in love with the world? Or maybe you need to fall on your face and repent this morning because you say, you know what? The group that I influence, they're learning how to love the world. But they sure ain't learning how to live, love Jesus watching me. But I also think too. So maybe you need to, to repent. Maybe you need to cut some people off. Do what? Yeah. Maybe you need to cut some people off. I remember a good friend of mine that I used to teach with. Daniel Butler shared one night with middle school kids, and this has always rung tr so true in my life. She challenged the kids. She said, you know what? It's a whole lot easier to get pulled into a swimming pool than to pull somebody out. Maybe you're not spiritually mature because look, I know we all have this rescue mission in mind. I'm gonna start hanging out with them so I can share the love of Christ with them. That's great. But can you spiritually handle it? I don't know that you can, that's not for me to answer. Can you influence them without them influencing you? I, I don't know. That's what you gotta pray for God's direction, pray for God's strength. But I will tell you what Paul said, be careful. Be careful. But maybe this morning you just need to be encouraged. And I wanna encourage you as a believer in Christ Jesus, that our citizenship is not here. This is not home. And I love what he says there. He says that we, we will also eagerly wait for a savior. Eagerly. That means with a lot of energy. That means with a lot of enthusiasm, with a lot of excitement. Do you remember as a child when you would be separated from your parents or whoever took care of you for for a time period, maybe you'd gone to camp or maybe you'd gone to your grandparents' house, you know, because in your mind, that was always just boring. But then you find out, hey, moms and dad, mom and dad's on the way to get me. What did you do? You got everything ready. You packed your bag. You got ready for them to come pick you up because they were leaving home to come get you to take you back home. That needs to be our mindset of what is coming for the church. 
We've got a savior who is in home that's gonna leave home, that's gonna get, get the children and take us back home. That's excitement. There's joy in that. And man, there's like eight of you that believe it. Y'all watch golf, don't you? College football starts next Saturday. Y'all know that, right? I guarantee you'll be clapping a whole lot more next Saturday than you just did right now. So let's try that again. You wanna try that again? And maybe we should visualize it that, okay, maybe you're a Georgia fan. I don't like saying that out loud, but I am. Sorry, TJ. Anyway, but think about it. It's fourth and goal from the two. Down five. We score a touchdown, guess what? Game over. We win. If you're a fan of that football team, I can promise you what you're not doing, what you're doing right now. Man, I sure hope we score this touchdown. <laughs> Praise God. No, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna stand to your feet and you're gonna with enthusiasm, with excitement, you're gonna wait and you're gonna eagerly watch to see what's about to happen. And can I tell you, that's my heart today that I want for this church is I don't wanna be the church that is caught sitting down wondering how this thing turns out because the beauty of it is, is if you read it, you know how it turns out. And so I think it's time we as the church should eagerly watch for the coming of the Savior to leave his home, to come and rescue his children and take us back home where we will stand for eternity victorious in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.